Let's pray. God in heaven, we give you thanks for your word. Lord, we pray that it would challenge us today as we listen to it. Lord, I pray that you would make us more like Jesus today. Lord, as we hear your word, God, make us like him. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Now, one of the many, many things that Katie and I have enjoyed so much about our time here is the opportunity that we've had to live in one of the world's great cities. Now, most of you in this room are city folks, right? Most of you in this room are city folks. Many of you grew up in Vancouver, um, have never really even had the experience, perhaps, of living in a small town or a rural area. Uh, most of you who immigrated here to Vancouver uh, probably came from a larger city in the country that you came from. Uh, Katie and I, however, grew up, for the most part, in small-town USA. Small-town USA. For most of my childhood and for all of Katie's childhood, uh, we grew up in small-town USA. And since most of you watch American TV, uh, you probably have a bit of an idea in your mind of what small-town USA is like. Uh, you maybe imagine like a tree-lined street and the American flag flying in front of houses, uh, people sitting on uh, the porch swing, sipping iced tea in the afternoon. Um, it really is like that. It really is very much like that. And so moving to Vancouver, Canada has been a new and different experience for us. And throughout our time here, people have asked us, you know, what's different about living in Canada as opposed to living in the U.S.? And I think my response has mostly been, you know, I think the bigger difference has not been for moving from one country to another country, but, but the bigger difference has been moving and being used to a small town and living in a big city. Those times when I felt strange and out of place, uh, those times where I felt as if maybe I don't belong, hasn't been because I'm in Canada. You all are very welcoming and hospitable. It's because I live in a city is when I felt uncomfortable. Now, I realize that big cities and small towns, it's all kind of a little bit relative. Those of you who come from uh, Beijing or Shanghai or Manila, uh, this is kind of like the countryside to you, right, here in Vancouver. I remember uh, talking with uh, Jing Wang one time, and when her friends come from China to visit, they call Vancouver the countryside. Uh, because of the cities that they come from in China. It's a small town. I remember growing up that my friends who lived in Brownstown, Indiana, about 10 minutes from Seymour, Indiana, where I came from, Brownstown had about 5,000 people in it. Seymour had about 15,000 people in it. And my friends from Brownstown would say, we're going into the city when they were coming over to Seymour. Okay, so it's all a little bit relative, I understand that, but whatever the case may be, for Katie and I, moving into Vancouver, into a major city in the world, has been a great challenge for us, and also something that we've grown to love a lot. So much so that a couple of years ago, when we began to think and pray and think that maybe God was leading us to another place, we felt as if the way that God has shaped us here, the people that he has called us to be, uh, the people that he has made us, as we lived here in the last uh, nine or ten, nine years, is that God was calling us in the next place to go to some urban area. And Fort Wayne is the second largest city in Indiana, and the church that we're going to is located in downtown Fort Wayne. We've grown to love living in the city. We've grown to love the diversity that exists in the city. 
the unique opportunities that are in the city. I wouldn't trade some of my experiences here and the neighbors that I've had and the the homes that I've been able to go into because I live in a city. uh, I wouldn't trade that for anything. During this time, we've also grown to understand and live with the problems that exist in a city. Uh, Katie and I have called 911 dozens of times because of some of the things that happen in this property. Just a couple of days ago, uh, there was this huge fight going on between this man and woman who were walking by our house, and it looked like it was going to turn violent. And I called 911, um, and I began talking to them. I told her the problem, and she said, is this Ryan? (laughs) Not kidding. Not kidding. She said, is this Ryan? I know she just probably had me on my computer, but it just, on her computer, but it just kind of took me back. You know, we've called this number a few times. We've loved living in the city, but we've also become very aware of the unique problems that exist in the city. And as the pastor of a church here in this city, uh, my leadership of this particular congregation has caused me to reflect, reflect deeply on the role that the church plays in the city. And I've come to the conclusion that the church in the city has a unique role to play in God's plans and purposes for the world. Of course, God has his people, has his church in every place, in rural areas and in small towns. God has his plan for them as well. But God has a unique plan and purpose for the city and a unique plan and purpose for the role that the church plays in the city. And I'm really grateful for the time that we've had here in Vancouver so that I can discover that and participate in that, at least in some small way. And so today we're going to look at two different scripture passages that have helped me in my own reflections of God's plans and purposes for the church in the city. And the first one is Jeremiah chapter 29, which was the passage that I read a few moments ago. If you've closed your Bibles, I would encourage you to open them to Jeremiah chapter 29. I think that this letter written by Jeremiah to the exiles is one of the most remarkable passages of Scripture in all of the Bible for me, especially as we think about our role as God's people in the city. This Scripture from Jeremiah 29 is a part of this letter that Jeremiah wrote to the men and women who were carried away into exile into Babylon. I want to set the scene a little bit for you. It's the year 586 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonians had laid siege to the city of Jerusalem. He took his massive army and he surrounded the entire city and he would not let anyone in and he would not let anyone out. And the people in the city, after months of this, began to starve to death. If you read through the prophets, you read that men and women in Jerusalem at this time turned to cannibalism in order to survive. The people died. There was sickness and disease and death in Jerusalem, and Nebuchadnezzar just sat outside the city and waited until everyone became so weak that he and his army could just come on through and destroy the city, and that's exactly what he did. After months of this, he walked into Jerusalem, and they simply destroyed the place. They killed all of those who were weak. They set fire to the city. They leveled the whole city of Jerusalem, destroyed the temple. This was their home. This was the place that their ancestors built with their own hands. This was the holy city with the temple, the dwelling place of God. And now it's been destroyed by the Babylonians. 
There are a lot of you here who take a lot of pride in this building because you or your parents or your grandparents invested so much in order to make sure that that generation and future generations could have a beautiful place to come and to worship God. Can you imagine for a moment what your heart would feel like toward the people who came and destroyed it? Not only destroyed the building, but destroyed the lives and the families and the homes of everyone that you know and love. Hate would not be too strong a word, I think, for what our hearts would feel in that moment. And this is what happened to the Israelites in Jerusalem. Their city and their homes and their place of worship were destroyed. All of them had family that were killed or imprisoned, and those who weren't killed or imprisoned were dragged off in chains to Babylon, were brought into this idol-worshipping city of Babylon, and were told that this is now where they have to live. They are in exile. And so you can only imagine how confused the people are. They must have had questions about God. Is God even real? How could God allow this to happen? If the temple was the dwelling place of God and it's now destroyed, where is God? Are the gods of the Babylonians stronger than the God of Israel? How should we live here in Babylon now that we're here? Should we revolt? Should we take up arms and try to overthrow Nebuchadnezzar and go back to Jerusalem? What should we do? Should we just simply become like the Babylonians? I mean, what else really is there to do? We don't really have much hope. Maybe we should just become like them. And so in the midst of these questions and in the midst of this confusion about wondering what they should do, what has happened, who is God in all of this, God sends a letter from the prophet Jeremiah to the people of Israel, and this is what it says. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all of those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Can you imagine receiving this letter? Your family has just been killed by the Babylonians. Your home has just been destroyed by the Babylonians. The holy city of Jerusalem has just been destroyed. And you get this letter, seek the blessing of these people. Seek to bless Babylon through your work and through your presence there. Pray for it, not against it. Because if the city of Babylon prospers, you too will prosper. Can you imagine? Would you be able to do that? This is the letter that they receive. God reminds them, first of all, that he is the one who has led them into this place. It was God's plan and purpose for them to be there. God now has a plan for them while they are there. 
God says to that talks to them about the way they are to interact with Babylon, and they are to do that in a very unique way. While they're in Babylon, they are not to take up arms and to revolt in violence. While they are in Babylon, they're not supposed to retreat and become this small little social group in the middle of the city. Instead, God says to them that they are to engage the city, to be a blessing to the city, to seek to be a blessing to Babylon. They are to love their worst enemy as they live there in Babylon. They are to settle down and they are to plant gardens. They are to have children. They are to participate in the economic life of the city. And at the same time, they are to be distinct. They are to increase in number there and not to decrease. They are to remember who they are as God's people in that city, the redeemed of God. And while they are there, they are called to be a blessing to that city. God told Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12 that you, Israel, are called to be a blessing to the world. And now, as they are in exile, they are called to be a blessing to Babylon. And they are called to pray for this city, to pray for the peace and well-being, the shalom of the city. That idea of shalom, which is the physical and social and economic well-being, Israel is to pray that for Babylon. God's people are brought by God at this particular place, at this particular time, to be a blessing in the place where God has called them. We read, for instance, in the book of Daniel, that there were some in Israel who were faithful to do that. Daniel and his friends became counselors to Nebuchadnezzar, and they, through their wisdom, were a blessing to Nebuchadnezzar and to Babylon as they were faithful to God. I think there are a lot of lessons for us to learn from Jeremiah's letter to the exiles. In many ways, Christians in Vancouver are exiles. We know very well as we look at our neighbors, as we read the newspaper, as we see the decisions that are made by our municipal leaders, that this is not our home. Christians have very little influence in politics or business, and the decisions that are made in the city often go against what we believe. Over the last 50 to 60 years, the Christian worldview has been marginalized, and we as Christians are seen at best as a very strange and peculiar people. And yet God has called us to live here. The book of Acts says that God has determined the times and the places set for each person to live. God has called us to live here, to be present here. Our situation has a lot of connecting points to the Jews of Babylon in exile. And Jeremiah 29 is a letter for us in our time, if we have ears to hear what it has to say to us. I want to say a few things about what I think this letter has to say to us. First, we need to recognize that as a church, We need to seek what is best for Vancouver, spiritually, socially, economically. Ebenezer Baptist needs to consider how we can make Vancouver a great city. It's not enough for Ebenezer in our leadership and in our decisions to sit back and think, how can we use the resources that God has given to us to help us? to help our members, to help our church grow? Of course, those are questions we must ask as well, but they are not the only questions that we can ask. 
In our decisions at Ebenezer, we need to look beyond the horizon of ourselves, beyond the horizon of our own members and our own preferences, and begin to ask questions more seriously. How can we use the resources of our church to bless this neighborhood and this city? The church's role in the world is not first to serve the needs of its own members. The church's role in the world is to follow the example of Jesus by sacrificing its own life for the sake of the world. The church does not exist for itself. It exists for the world. Ebenezer does not exist for you. It does not exist for me. It exists for the neighborhood in the city and for the world. Of course, as members of the church, we receive great benefits as members. Fellowship and support and love from one another. Prayer and teaching from the scriptures. But if we do not move beyond that horizon about Ebenezer being about those things, Ebenezer will never fulfill its true calling as the church, which is to be broken and spilled out, sacrificed for the sake of the world for the sake of this place where God has called Ebenezer to be. Ebenezer is called to pray for this city, to ask God to bless Vancouver. And it's really easy, I think, for us as Christians to get into the really bad habit of speaking poorly about the place that we live in and poorly about our neighbors. It's such an evil and dark place. There's so many wicked people here. The city has changed. It used to be so clean, and now it's so dirty, or whatever we may say in order to ridicule and criticize our city. And of course, there's many things that need to be said against our city. But we need to be a people who speak well of our city, who speak well of our city, especially in prayer. As we go to God in prayer, we pray for the city, not against it, but for the city. Historians who have studied and reflected on the growth of Christianity in those first two or three hundred years of the life of the church have come to the conclusion that the reason that Christianity grew so rapidly was because the Christians in the cities of the Roman Empire sought to bless the city rather than to live for themselves. Christians in the cities of the Roman Empire, these men and women who were filled with the Spirit of God, sought to act as the body of Christ, sought to be the presence of Christ in these Roman cities, which were much darker places in many ways than Vancouver could ever dream of being. One example of this is the way that Christians in the cities acted like Jesus when they cared for the sick, when great plagues came through these cities. One eyewitness in the city of Antioch, when a plague came through the city in the 3rd century, had this to say about how Christians acted in that city. He says this, at the first onset of the disease, the pagans pushed sufferers away and fled from their very dearest, throwing them into the roads before they were dead and treated unburied corpses as dirt, hoping that they would avert the spread and contagion of the fatal disease. Our Christian brothers, however, showed unbounded love and loyalty never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need, and ministered to them in Christ. And with the sick, they departed this life serenely happy. 
For they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors, and then cheerfully accepted their pains. Many, in nursing and curing others, transferred their death to themselves and died in their stead. This is an account of the body of Christ at work in the city. This is Christians uh, moving into the city and being a part of the life of that city at a very awful and terrible point in that city's life and being the presence of Christ, sacrificing its own self for the sake of the city. This was the calling of the Jews in Babylon. It was the calling of the earliest Christians. It's the calling of Ebenezer in Vancouver. That's Jeremiah chapter 29. I want to look at Romans chapter 15, the second passage of scripture that has been very influential to me as I've considered and thought about the calling of the church in the city. Romans chapter 15, verses 17 through 23. In this, Paul is reflecting on his life and ministry and talking about the success that he has had. I want you to hear very uh, what I think is very interesting about how Paul feels that his Uh, ministry has been a success. Romans 15, verses 17 through 23. Paul says, Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. By the power of signs and miracles, through the power of the Spirit, So now from Jerusalem, that is the far eastern portion of the Roman Empire, all the way around to Illyricum, which is on the far western part of the Roman Empire, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. Paul says that he has fully proclaimed Christ from the eastern side of the Roman Empire all the way to the western side of the Roman Empire, and that there is no other place for him to work in this whole region. How is it that Paul can say this? Are there people who have not come to know, are there people who still yet have to know Christ in that area? Of course there are. Are there little towns and hamlets in that area that still need to hear the gospel? Of course. But what we see in the book of Acts is that Paul's strategy was to go to all of these major cities and to establish a community of believers in those major cities. And once that community of believers was established in that city, Paul considered his work done. It was done. And we see that this strategy was successful because these communities of Christians were established in these Roman cities. The culture of those cities changed. The Holy Spirit led these earliest Christian missionaries to go, and as he led them to go, he led them to go to these major cities and to establish Christian communities in all of these cities. It's called Paul's urban strategy 
for mission work. And this isn't something that I've made up. There have been hundreds, maybe thousands of books written on Paul's urban missionary strategy. And so as Paul nears the end of his missionary career, he can say, I have proclaimed the gospel fully in this area. Not because he personally has preached the gospel to every single person and to every single little town, but because he has established Christian communities in the major cities of that area. And Paul knows that those Christian communities will impact their cities. And as the city is impacted, so the areas around the city will also be impacted. As the city goes, so goes all the surrounding areas. And this is why cities are strategic for God's plan in the world. Because it's in these places where culture is shaped and formed. It's in the places like the city where there is high density of business and commerce and where entertainment and art is created. It's in the urban centers of the world that impact the world the most. And so God throughout history has uniquely and intentionally used Christians in the city to shape and form culture that is Christian, not only to impact individuals, but to impact the whole culture. As an established church here in South Hill neighborhood of Vancouver, Ebenezer has had an impact on the world in a way that a rural church could not have. The ministry that our church has had to immigrant families, the ministry that we have had to individuals who come to Vancouver for just a short time in order to learn English and then go back to their own homes, is an amazing thing. There are dozens of stories that I could tell just from the time that I've been here in these few years that give testimony to the unique role that Ebenezer has simply because of the place that God has put this church. Romans 15 is clear that Paul understood that God has a unique plan and purpose for the churches in the city. And Ebenezer now, in 2013, is a part of that ongoing plan that God has. There is a song that's been written recently called God of This City, and one of the lyrics to that song says, the God of this city still has greater things which are still to be done and greater things which are still to come in this city. The God of this city has a people called the church who are called to discern together what great things God wants to do in this place and to join with him in that work. This will not be easy. It will require sacrifice. It will require us to not value what our world values. It will require us not to value safety and security. It will require Ebenezer to admit that the resources that God has given to our church, its money, its property, its building, its leadership, are not given to the church only so that we can enjoy them, but so that this church will learn to sacrifice and serve this city. We serve the God of this city, who has great things to do in this city, has done great things in this city, and has many more things to do in this city. And so as a church, as you consider your next steps, as you consider the ministry that God has for this church in the next year and three years and five years and ten years, be sure that your conversations 
take into account the fact that God has placed you in this growing neighborhood, in this growing city, in this city that many in the world are looking to for leadership, that God has placed you here, and that is your calling to follow the example of Jesus who gave up his life for the sake of the world. The life of Ebenezer, this particular part of the body of Christ, is to sacrifice its own life to serve and to be a blessing to this place. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for filling us with your spirit and for making us your body. Lord, we thank you that your body was broken and spilled out for the sake of the world. Lord, I pray as we become a people of your word, a people of your spirit by prayer, a people of the communion table, a people who take your body and your blood into our own bodies. Lord, I pray that we would become like him in the way that we act in the world that you would make us a people who are willing to sacrifice, to be willing to be broken for the sake of our neighbors. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.